Um, five and a half years ago, when I was asked to be The Guardian's sketch writer, I thought it was going to be a sort of niche end to my career, really. S something for a, you know, would suit a politics geek like myself. I thought I would be sort of writing gentle satire, digging out humour of transport questions, where the highlight was two MPs arguing over the Kettering bypass. <laughs> what I didn't realize was that it's actually turned into a transcription service. I mean, the jokes now, I can't make them up anymore. All I have to do, all I have to do is just report what people say. And people think I'm incredibly funny sometimes. Um, but, you know, it's also incredibly serious. I mean, I have no real guide for surviving the future um, other than stockpile and run for the hills. That's, that's as far as I've got, really. Um, but I, I also want to open with something of a confession. Um, and that is that I actually rather miss Theresa May. Um, not just because she made incredibly good copy, um, because not she was someone with the lack of personality to make Brexit means Brexit and strong and stable into something genuinely funny. Um, and not because um, of the way she actually rose without trace which was extraordinary for a prime minister. I don't know if you, you can remember the way um, she was elected leader of the Tory party. Uh, the day after the referendum, I mean, throughout the referendum campaign, David Cameron had been asked, if you lose this, what are you going to do? Are you going to stick around and sort it? Dave went, kiss the badge. I'm your man. At 9.30 on the morning after the referendum, <laughs> Dave was standing outside uh, Downing Street saying, sorry guys, I'm off. I screwed up, that's too bad. And, and he went whistling into Downing Street. I mean, it was quite extraordinary. So at a time of huge political crisis, uh, the country had effectively no government. Um, thanks. Uh, and um, so we were in then into a Tory party election. I mean, we all thought at that stage that Boris Johnson was going to be the person who sort of, you know, he'd led the Vote Leave campaign. Um, but for some reason, I mean, Michael Gove had spent three months on the campaign bus with him. And you knew, clearly knew Boris well and had agreed to be his campaign manager but it took him about 10 days to realize that actually Boris wasn't trustworthy. I mean, come on, what took him so long? I mean, the rest of us saw through him, you know, long before. Um, his family have seen him through him long before as well. Um, so we had this Tory leadership contest that uh, comprised of uh, 
Stephen Crabb, Liam Fox, Michael Gove, Andrea Ledsom, and Theresa May. And Stephen Crabb and Liam Fox went uh, out of the race early on. Uh, Stephen Crabb, because nobody knew who he was. <laughs> and Liam Fox, because everyone knew who he was. Uh, uh, then Michael Gove went, because nobody could actually trust him not to stab himself in the, in the back. <laughs> And then we had sort of Andrea Ledsom, a, a sort of woman who literally, in the two years that I had been working in Parliament, I don't think she had said one thing remarkable. And, but she had the virtue of being uh, the only, you know, if she was up against Theresa May, and Theresa May had notionally supported Remain. That's in, is her one speech had been, I support Remain. That, that, that was the sort of strength of her conviction, whereas sort of Andrea Ledsom had been firmly leave. But Andrea Ledsom disqualified herself by giving a ludicrous interview to the Times in which she, dis she thought that being a mother entitled her to be prime minister. Um, the rest of the country disagreed, which meant that Theresa May became prime minister by sort of virtue of saying nothing and doing nothing which sort of became her mantra. Um, yeah, and I mean, I know that Theresa May, you know, I mean, she, I mean, you know, I know that she got a lot of things wrong. I mean, she was the architect of the Windrush, Windrush scandal. Um, it was her own red lines that uh, have sort of landed us sort of where we are now. I mean, I, my own view is that if Theresa May hadn't tried to sort of appease the right wing of her Tory party, in particular the European Research Group, they are the group that likes to never say yes. Um, she would, and if she had gone for some kind of consensus, if she had said right, on, right from the start, 52, 48, that's pretty close. Um, we're going to leave the EU, but we're going to leave with a customs union uh, single market, and um, that's that. I mean, most of the vote leavers would have been happy with that before the referendum, and um, I think a lot of Labour MPs could have voted for it as well, and we'd have probably left ages ago. Um, but as it is, we, you know, she, she insisted on these sort of red lines, and that... I mean, was ultimately the cause of her own demise, really. I mean, she could not get a, the only, she could not get a, the deal that she could agree with the EU. She couldn't get through Parliament. And ultimately, she had to go. And, but that has left us, I mean, you've also got to love a Prime Minister who can employ Chris Grayling. Um, I mean, Seaborne Freight was one of the sort of, un, you know, undisputed highlights of the sort of Brexit fiasco. Uh, a ferry company with no ferries. <laughs> a ferry company whose sort of legal incorporation had been copied and pasted from a pizza company. <laughs> and that, for Chris Grayling, is due diligence. I, I miss him. Uh, I do. 
Um, though there are some other candidates who are... Uh, James Dudridge is someone who is a man who I'd never come across before, but he is proving to be a worthy successor. Uh, keep an eye out for him. Um, but now we have sort of Boris Johnson, I mean, uh, who I find is... You know, when he was London mayor, he was, in a way, quite funny. There was something... You know, there was this joke, he was sort of kind of harmless. Um, in a way, he didn't take him too seriously. And the Boris Johnson of the London Mayor days was a social liberal who was all for freedom of movement and the single market. Now, I mean, the thing is that Boris only believes in himself. And he has surrounded himself with a whole bunch of... I mean, there are cabinets that... I describe as shits and charlatans. Um, that's really what they are. I mean, we have Gavin Williamson, Education Secretary. This is a man who was sacked as Defence Secretary by Theresa May for um, uh, briefing National Security Council minutes. And then we have sort of Michael Gove, I mean, we kind of know about him. I saw him, uh, I've just come from Parliament today, where he was presenting his sort of new uh, document on why Britain is totally prepared for a no deal. This will be news to a lot of people, I can tell you. I mean, only three months ago, Boris Johnson was saying there's a one in a million chance of no deal. He's a really lucky guy. <laughs> because right now, no deal is looking like the only runner in the race. And, I mean, but you'll be pleased to know that schools will be operating normally. Uh, everything will be tickety-boo, according to uh, Michael Gove. And um, uh, it's so well, in fact, that in lorry parks in Kent, there will even, to keep for people who are bored who, by queuing up, they will be on-site dogging facilities. <laughs> That's true. That was in, that was in the Sunday Times. Um, I mean, literally, I, I promised you I was a transcription service. This, and um, we are in a sort of now, in this kind of weird world where, I mean, Boris Johnson has presented the EU with a deal which was bound to fail. It was a, the same deal that uh, Parliament voted on in an indicative vote back in March. So basically alternative arrangements. It's a kind of fudge where you kind of pretend that you can have no hard border and still be out of the customs union. By my reckoning, the only way that possibly works is if you have the borders patrolled by badgers in night vision goggles. That, that's the only way it works. Um, but it is, so it's a charade, and it's designed to fail, and it looks today as if it has indeed failed. Um, so Angela Merkel has sort of pointed out that, you know, Northern Ireland, if you want to preserve the Good Friday Agreement, then... Uh, you have to, you know, Northern Ireland has to stay in some kind of customs union, at least until you've got, 
you know, you, uh, you know, some alternative technology to get your way out of it. And, I mean, Boris has just sort of brought in, he has, he, he, Boris has gone done a sort of reverse Theresa May. Um, he has found a deal that will get past the DUP and the ERG, but, and will probably get past some sort of Labour MPs, even though it's much worse than the deal that they rejected three times before. Go figure that one, I can't. I mean, they're just sort of desperate for it to go away in some kind of way. But the thing is that Brexit isn't going to go away. Um, Brexit is going to be with us, even if miraculously a deal, you know, is conjured in the sort of between now and October the 31st. Um, we have, you know, we're going to be talking about Brexit and debating Brexit and our future trading arrangements for the next 10 years. The bandwidth is, that it takes of government that is taken up is going to be extraordinary. I mean, you know, the, you know Boris talks about wanting to sort of get on with schools and hospitals. I mean, none of that's going to happen. The no-deal Brexit, which is where we, we appear to be heading right now, um, is going to prevent that. I mean, it's, it's looking like, so the Institute of Fiscal Studies says, 50 million pound hit, 50 billion pound hit to the economy already. Um, I mean, that is a sort of fantastic amount of money. And, you know, we also, in this sort of parallel sort of world, sort of like a psychedelic vision of down the rabbit hole, where we have the government actively looking for ways to break the law. You know, there is a Ben Act which is supposed to... Um, prevent a no deal on October the 31st. The, Boris has managed to say that yes, he will uh, obey the law, but we're leaving. I can't work that one out, neither can he. He doesn't, I, I think he is literally, if you, if you feel that you're out of control and that you don't know what's going on, you're in good company because the government feels exactly the same. That should be disturbing, by the way. Um, and, I mean, where we go from here, I don't know. I mean, we're sort of heading for a general election, probably. I mean, we should also... I mean, the Labour Party needs to get its act together here, I think. Um, you know... Yeah. I mean, we, we've reached... You know, it's quite clear that, that if you want to stop a no deal, the only way you can do it is by forming a government of national unity. That means that Jeremy Corbyn has to step aside. I mean, it's just not going to happen without him. I mean, if he really wanted, you know, to prevent a no deal, he could just say, no one would hold it against him. Um, but, we, but in fact, you know, he would be applauded for it, for having done the sort of right thing. But God knows what's going to happen. But uh, I, I've just had the sort of... Uh, the neck of doom. Um, so I, I wish I could end up on an upbeat. Um, <laughs> but having thoroughly depressed you, uh, I will say thank you and good night. Thank you. <laughs>